Welcome to New York Game Day. Now here's Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. What's up? What's up? Uh, obviously, because the uh, Jets played in London, uh, little musical chairs here uh, with our programming. Um, so New York Game Day with you from 2.30 to 4.30. Matthias Kiwanuka joins me now. Mike Tannenbaum will join us at 3.30 and take you to 4.30. So the first hour of the show, we're going to focus on the Jets and, and make it somewhat as, as an extended Jets postgame show. And then uh, we've got Jordan Renan, who's going to be joining us at 3.30. We'll switch gears and we'll start focusing on the Giants as they get ready to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Matthias, hi, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I want to say good morning, but it's good afternoon these days, huh? It is. It is good afternoon today. Uh, as we know, of course, let's dive right into it. And the Jets, unfortunately, they lose to Atlanta 27-20. Uh, too little, too late. That's for sure. I mean, Atlanta down two top wide receivers and two of their top corners, but yet uh, could not uh, see the same result that the Jets saw last week against Tennessee. Matt Ryan, as we know, over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And uh, Kyle Pitts, really, this was his, his coming out party. That's for sure across the pond nine receptions 119 yards and a touchdown let's start right there let's start with this Atlanta because this is your specialty as well Matthias let's start with that Atlanta offense and how they were able to move the ball at will now keep in mind this is a defense that played 92 plays last week they had seven sacks zero today then they've got a they've got the trip across the pond obviously you feel different time change even though they did get over there on Thursday you know how much how much do you feel that played a role and how poorly this defense performed today. I mean, you you can't you can't you can't um, stress it enough. I mean, there's so many things that you that you pointed out just there. But let, let's start with that. Let's start with the trip. You know, you're playing 92 games or 92 plays, like you said, and then you're flying across the pond. What I what I felt like I noticed was, you know, Matt Ryan and the Falcons. They they were settled in. They had um, you know, it looked fresh. It looked like they came out, you know, you know, with a with a game plan ready to execute. And and the Jets were just kind of, you know, just trying to figure it out, you know, as they went along. It was sluggish, it was lethargic. Um, you know, it was, you know, passes were kind of just off the mark, you know, in the in the beginning. Now, obviously, they had some life um, you know, coming out of the half and you know, even into the fourth quarter, there was there was some there was some great plays being made. I felt like defensively, they made plays. You know, uh, Mosley, uh, you know, there, there were a couple turnovers in there, but they just didn't make adjustments. So Pitts is running down the middle of the field the entire game, you know, and he's matched up on different players. There, there has to be a way to make an adjustment on the sideline and say, OK, we're going to take this guy out of the game. He's not going to continue to beat us in the second half the way that he beat us in the first half. It wasn't just Pitts. I mean, two of their touchdowns uh, were two tight ends. So the tight ends definitely had a field day against the uh, linebackers and the strong safeties. I know we've got some uh, calls coming in, 800-919-3776. We will get to you uh, this hour, I promise. So you want to talk Jets, now's the time to do so. Because like I said, in our second hour, we're going to focus on what's going on with the Giants as they get ready to take on the Dallas Cowboys. But, you know, here's, here's, here's another thing. And, and listen, let's give credit where credit's due. You know, Arthur Smith, first year, uh, I, and you know, it, it wasn't just it wasn't just trying to create for for Kyle Pitts, but it was also what he's been able to do to create for Cordero Patterson, mm -hmm. and 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 how he was able to really create for both these guys who, let's be honest, aren't their star players. Calvin Ridley was out. Russell Gage was expected to have a monster year this year. Okay, so um, you've got to give credit where credit's due in regard to the way that Arthur Smith was was able to scheme for those two guys. And, well, that's what I was saying. 
it, it felt Welcome. like they came it's that's what i was saying it felt like they came out with a game plan it wasn't like we didn't right. know that Pitts was going to be featured in this game it wasn't like we weren't sure like he had to step up he was called out all week multiple times on t- on you know on television everybody was saying he had to come out he had to he had to have a big game and he did so they went in they had a game plan they came out ready to execute it there's sometimes as a player in a game where there's a guy on the other side of the, uh, the field who just, you know, he goes off in the first quarter and you weren't expecting it. You know, it was like, Oh, well, I caught you off guard. And now you're trying to figure out, okay, what is he doing with there? They, they knew that he was coming out ready to play. They knew that he was going to be featured and still didn't have an answer for it. That's the disappointing part. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. Here, here's another thing I want to touch on. Um, Zach Wilson n- never found a rhythm today. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and again, let's work, give credit where credit's due. What Atlanta, what their defense was able to do is keep him in the pocket. Now, I know he's a rookie, right? Not a lot of experience. BYU, subpar comp, first year in the NFL, blah, blah, blah. We, we, we've heard it. We say it, year, we say it week, in, week, week in and week out. But this is one of the things, just pointing out, this is one of the things that he's going to have to do. He is, in his career, he is going to go up against defenses that are going to contain him and keep him in the pocket, and he's going to have to learn how to throw in a telephone booth. And, and that was one of the biggest criticisms, you know, of him coming out of college, you know, is that, you know, he, he creates, he throws better when he's rolling out of the pocket as opposed to, um, you know, in the pocket. And also, uh, you know, he throws to wide receivers that are already open as opposed to wide receivers uh, that are about to be open. What, what are your thoughts on Zach Wilson and what you saw from today? Yeah, I just, it, it seemed like his throws were just a little bit off the mark. You know, there were a lot of passes, you know, even behind the line of scrimmage where he's throwing them at the, at the feet of the receiver or the running back. And it just, it just seemed like, like he was, he just wasn't, he, he wasn't really sure of himself. He wasn't really steadied. He wasn't focused enough, you know, coming into the game. And you're right. You know, they, they mentioned it that, you know, rolling out of the pocket, especially to his right, he's more accurate. He's more deadly. He didn't have a whole lot of those opportunities. You know, he can try to create those. I played against a lot of quarterbacks who were, you know, you know, great outside of the pocket and you could kind of tell. You know, they would sit back there, they would wait one, two, and then then they're just ready to escape. You know, Wilson looks like he's trying. He's trying to get the ball downfield. He's trying to execute from within the pocket. It's just it's just not happening for him right now. Um, you know, but you know, you do have to you'd have to take into account that this was a this was this was a hell of a week for them, you know, to, to go, you know, across the seas and and to to try to prepare and to play as a young guy, you know, that's very difficult. We I did it in my career and you know, it was early on in the um, I think it was we were one of the first, you know, teams to to play over in London and and you know, just trying to get your preparation, just trying, you know, Coughlin had meetings with us, just trying to figure out, hey what is the practice schedule going to be that takes that takes a lot of time and a lot of planning and and you have to make sure your body and your mind and your sleep um, pattern is right one more point i'd like to lay out and then again uh, we'll we'll go to calls ira and Artie. i promise you guys will be first up and that is you know the the lack of commitment to the run early right like michael carter 10 carries for 38 yards um i know he scored a touchdown Uh, ty johnson scored a touchdown as well uh, but all in all, 18 carries for 64 yards. You know, when, when your quarterback is not performing well, you, and, and even though a team has gone up on you, whether it's 7, 10, 13, whatever, how many points, you still have to be committed to the run, especially with a rookie quarterback, because now it, it, it causes this domino effect where now it's putting your rookie quarterback in a bad situation and also it's putting your defense in a bad situation because now they are losing the battle of time of possession. 
And you can see it. And, you know, the Falcons had four men up around the line of scrimmage. That was it. That's all they needed. And, and they were effective with it. And, you know, playing from a, a linebacker, linebacker perspective, when you know a team is not going to run the ball, you're able to back up a little bit. You're able to bounce a little bit more. You're playing a little bit more free. Now you're zone. You're, you're watching the quarterback the entire time. And it, it makes it a lot more difficult for the quarterback to, to find guys who are open because everybody's playing, you know, you're one dimensional, you know, why, why we're not going to, we're not going to play. You're not going to run the ball. We're not going to play to run. Come on now. Exactly. He's Matthias Kiwanuka, Amanita Marks. Different time for New York game day. Again, kind of an extended uh, post-game show for Jets. At 3 o'clock, Mike Tannenbaum joins us, and we will uh, turn our attention to uh, the Dallas Cowboys getting ready to take on the New York Giants. Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily pressing. I wouldn't say anyone's trying to do too much. I wouldn't say... You know, my mentality definitely isn't, you know, how can I you know, get a big play or anything here? It's, you know, how can I be efficient? How can I get completions? How can I, you know, help us be in third manageable and, and help us move the sticks and um, just get first downs? You know, everyone's you know, doing the same thing. They're all thinking about that. So I wouldn't say it's a pressing issue. I just think it's a confidence issue of us needing to be able to execute and hone in on our, assignment, on our assignments, and, and I need to be able to make good throws. Zach Wilson on uh, whether or not he's pressing too much. 800-919-3776. We'll get your calls in just a second. I want to remind you, New York Game Day brought to you by Dos Hombres. Uh, crafted with care, a spirit like no other, the perfect mezcal ever tasted. A unique blend of your finest espadin agave made in a small village in Mexico, Dos Hombres. Um, also uh, brought to you by Bud Light for the fans on game day and brought to you by FW Webb. Wheel McLean Heating Contractors. FW Web is your one-stop source for top-quality heating equipment and parts. One great example, Wheel McLean bro- Boilers. Turn to one of FW Web's over 90 locations today uh, online at wweb.com. All right, let's go to Ira Matthias. We've got Ira calling in from Staten Island. Ira, welcome in. What's your thoughts? I'll admit I spoke to you yesterday. I was dead wrong about today. Um, you know what, uh, maybe I was looking for uh, green-colored glasses. Two things. First of all, listen, you know, the, the quarterback took a baby step forward last week, took four steps back this week. His accuracy was way off, and he really wasn't pressured. The offensive line did a fairly decent job. He wasn't sacked until he took a really bad sack at the end of the game with no timeouts left, but it made him burn that last time out. But defensively, maybe you could both answer, answer this question. You have a week to prepare for this game. You know they're down to two receivers. The whole world knows it. You have two guys you have to game plan for. Okay, Patterson and Pitts. And you let them light you up for 235 yards? I mean, well, what type of game plan? I mean, what did they do schematically to prepare for this game? It's like they, they, they weren't prepared. And, and for the safety to get caught with his pants down, when you creep back in the game and you let Pitts run right down the middle of the field and had the big play, and even on – you know, I think Audie mentioned it earlier on the third and 13. I just, as bad as the offense is, all I know is after five weeks, LaFleur looks like he's lost. The quarterback and the offense has no rhythm. And defensively, they've played well up until now, but they don't play 60-minute games. It's like today they, they, they woke up in the second half and they, don't, they crept back into the game, but with the game on the line, they couldn't come up with a big stop. And, and as a Jets fan, it's very frustrating. I'm sure it is, Ira. Uh, Matthias, I- I'm going to let you 
kind of take this, th and, and I know you touched on this a little bit in regard to, you know, lack of preparation, even anticipating and knowing that the two crucial guys were going to be Patterson and Kyle Pitts. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I think, you know, to the, to the caller's point, it, it was very frustrating to watch. And that's what I was saying is, is there were, there was just no adjustment within the game. So, okay, we come in, we know who's supposed to burn us. All right. They start burning us. W what are we going to do about it? Where is the end game, you know, change to the game plan? Like where's the huddle on the sidelines that says, okay, Hey, listen, now this isn't working. We're going to go to X, Y, Z. We're going to put so-and-so here. We're going to, we're going to make this, this adjustment adjustment to this matchup because it's not working. I just, I, just didn't see that at all and then going back to to Wilson's comments I thought it was very very telling you know and he was honest and I like that I like the honesty that that came out of him you know it's a it's a confidence thing there, there's a it seems to be that there's a, a lack of confidence and not personal confidence I believe they're all NFL players I believe everybody's like has you know great self-confidence and they believe in themselves as an individual but when you're talking about as a team you know, it kind of looks like, you know, the, the receivers are a little bit out of step. They're not expecting, you know, the ball to be right there. They're not expecting the, the play to be made. Everybody's kind of, you know, hoping, you know, we talk about teams that are playing with hope. Like you hope somebody makes a play. You hope that the game goes your way, but you don't really believe in it. And that starts with the quarterback play. He's got to come out prepared. He's got to be, you know, throwing the ball on the mark, you know, as, as you watch the game go on and you watch one, two, three more passes that are, you know, down by the feet or they're up too high or they're, they're late, they're behind the receiver. You know, you could see the guys on offense start to lose confidence that, you know, the play was going to be made. And then, you know, obviously towards the end of the game, it was just, they, it looked like they, they'd all but shut down. Um, and some of that could be attributed to, you know, the travel and, you know, playing in London and, and whatnot. But as a, as a group, it just felt like there, he was right. There is a lack of confidence. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Artie in Brooklyn. Artie, welcome in. Hey, Anita. Hey, buddy. Hey. How are you? Uh, I'm going to take the hit for this because I put uh, Wilson in my fantasy instead of Matt Ryan. So I will personally take the loss for the Jets. Um, I jinxed everybody. And then as far as everything, as far as the thing, too, about low start, slow start and everything like that, Okay. You could talk about bits, and I agree, all that, what Ira said. But here it comes down to, it's third and 13, I brought it up. They didn't go to either of those two guys. They played zone. He gave a slant, and they gave up a five-yard slant for a first down. We didn't even get a chance for Wilson to get the ball down, forget about down three, down, down six I would have taken it. And they just let them waste after that. It's rookie coaching. They, they let them, two timeouts, let them take off all the time. Then we waste the time even on offense. Somebody tell the coach that defensively you take your timeouts because offensively you have more control of the time when you're down like that. So I hope they, don't, they learn from that. And then defensively, um, I don't understand this, okay? They drafted Ashton Davis. Okay, if Bits is not a tight end, Anita. Anita is not a tight end. He is a he's Baldwin. That somebody should have been on that dude, cornerback or Ashton Davis, not a tight end, and they had a lineman covering him for God knows why. Okay? So defensively, how is Ashton Davis not on that field? And they let a kid from Central Florida go behind the first down marker and let this dude get a first down on third and thirteen. Somebody asked me that, and another thing, another thing. Michael Carter is not a first-down running back, okay? Where's Perrine, for God's sakes? He was all over the preseason. I have no idea. They put 
love you guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, let know, it out let me know how I know, you really I know, feel i know that's what we're here for that's what we're here for you, you know here here's the thing and and i'm I'm really big into the draft uh matthias i i i i love the draft and i felt kyle pitts was the best player coming out this year i, I really i wanted what i wanted the jets i wanted the jets to draft kyle pitts and then and then get mac jones later on uh in uh you know somewhere around 10 or, or 11 or 12 something like that that's what i would have liked to see the jets do Re regardless he he he's he's a tight end this is what's so great about him he is a tight end but he but but he he's got the physical ability of a wide receiver so no matter he's what the, linebacker a, you are no matter what strong safety you you, you you nobody can you can't cover him he's you you can't match up against him He's the Micah Parsons of the of the offensive side. You know, he creates that that mismatch with his speed. I mean, he catches the ball out away from his body with his hands, and he he's not great yet. You know, he's got a lot to learn in terms of you know how he's going to release off the ball or how he's going to adjust to you know certain coverages. But he's just a natural talent, and he creates a problem. Are you gonna? You're definitely not going to put a defensive lineman on him. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that that was you know, a, a call that they were not expecting. You know, I've been in some plays where, okay, if this were to happen, then you're going to end up covering, but we do not expect this to happen type situations. And so I, I'm hoping that that was not part of the, you know, the original, you know, game plan, but, um, but yeah, hundred percent. He, I mean, he causes a problem, you know, it's a matchup, matchup issue and it needed to be adjusted. The caller is hundred percent right. And who are you going to put on them? You, know, you got to find somebody. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. It's always tough, especially when you got them pinned back. You work your tail off on first and second down to create a third and advantageous situation, and you don't win. That comes back to execution and understanding the down and distance, understanding what they're trying to give you, understanding the situations that goes from me to coordinator all the way down. And then from there, it's just a matter of executing and doing our best to get off the field when, when we can. But aside from the third and 13 today, you know, I felt like all of them are winnable reps just in uh, terms of execution they did a good job with, with with their play call of course robert sala uh post game anita marks matthias kiwanuka and joining us now is mike tannenbaum this portion of the show by the way brought to you by nissan nissan's an easier choice than ever with their exciting and full fuel efficient lineup get great offers across their full line shop at local nissan stores and nissanusa.com mike t welcome into the show how you doing man Good to be with you guys. How's everyone? We're good, uh, we're good. Better, better than the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> better than the Jets in that plane ride home today. Um, let's let's dive right into that, Mike. Your thoughts on the game? Yeah, they were just uh, outclassed. I mean, when we just get right down to it, um, they gave up 450 yards on uh, on offense. Their defense gave up 450 yards to a really good Falcon offense. They allowed them to convert nine out of 14 on third down. And I thought, you know, a lot of the Zach Wilson yards were somewhat easier yards towards the end of the game. And there's going to be a lot of growing pains. You know, Zach Wilson played well last week. He had a couple of big plays to beat Tennessee, get their first win. But um, I just thought they were outclassed on both sides of the ball. I was surprised, Kennedy, the pressure that um, Atlanta was able to get. Um, I thought they made Zach Wilson uncomfortable for big parts of the game, you know, beyond just having uh, two sacks in the scorebook. So, um, it was a game where I just thought Atlanta was the better team on both sides of the ball. 
My, let me, let me ask you this. And I'm, I'm really curious about the, you know, GM coach relationship, you know, cause I know as a play, as a player, for example, if you're playing a team and you're like, Hey, this team runs a wheel route, you know, and you're the outside backer, you're going to be responsible for this route the majority of the time. And then you go into the game and they're running this wheel route and they're scoring touchdowns on it. You know, you expect to get chewed out after the game. Now, as a, as a GM, you know, when you, the coaches are tasked with preparing for a couple of guys and these guys go into the game and we know that they're going to be featured and they come out of the game with over 100 yards. What is the conversation? Is there a conversation that you have with the coach or the coordinators or what, what, what happens behind the scenes that the players don't know about? Yeah, Matthias, it, it's an ongoing conversation. I think you're making a really fair point. Like the disappointing thing to me is like Julio Jones has moved on. Correll Patterson's come on for them. But you know that Kyle Pitts is going to be a big part of what they're going to do offensively and he had 10 targets and nine catches that's not good enough you have to double him you have to make sure that if you're going to lose to atlanta hey we're going to make them beat us left-handed meaning it's not going to be kyle pitts again we know that julio jones is gone and somebody else is going to have to make plays for them and that was disappointing like you've got to be able to take away your opponent's best option and that's something that the jets didn't do and if i'm joe douglas we're having that conversation you know Last week, we have it going into the game, and when we review it on Monday, we're going to sit down and say, hey, what happened? We said all week long that we're not going to let Pitts beat us. How'd that happen? Did you, did you have a do you have an opinion like based on just watching? I know you just watched it once. You'll probably rewatch it again. But like, is it is a situation where you bring a specific man over to cover him? Do you try to double him? Do you put a, a zone in place to, to try to stop him? What what would you have done or what would you have liked? Well, to first, have of all, I, I, yeah, first of all, yeah, first of all, too many free releases like, you know, get somebody in his breastplate. You know, mm -hmm. make it hard for him to get off the line of scrimmage. And then after that, you know, have somebody cloud him over the top and just say, like, hey, we're going to have somebody in his face all day. We're going to make it really disruptive to get off the line of scrimmage. And we're not going to let anybody beat him over the top. And Matt Ryan, you're going to have to go someplace else with the ball. And I know, like, you know, you're contractually not allowed to criticize Matt Ryan because of Boston College. <laughs> he does have some, you know, tendencies to force the ball. And I would have made him gone someplace else. And I, I think the free releases – where, you know, I, I'd, that would be one of the questions I would ask Coach Sal. Why would you let him have a free release? Uh, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, Mike, one, one of the few criticisms that I had heard about Zach Wilson coming out, right, of in, into this draft was, um, you know, better, better when he rolls out and, and, you know, not great throwing the balls, a lot of scouts like to say, like inside a phone booth, right? Um, and we saw that today. We saw Atlanta contain him keeping him in the pocket another knock on him was you know he doesn't throw to he doesn't throw wide receivers open he throws wide receivers once they are open and in the speed of the game in the nfl that doesn't bode well i, I guess two two-part question here a do you agree with that analysis in regard to some of the scout scouting reports on him and b if you do are those things teachable that he can correct at some point in time in his career yeah no i think those are pretty fair um you know, I, I saw him. I, I thought his ability to get the ball down the field um, and good athleticism were certainly his strengths. Like it's funny you mentioned that Anita. There was a play on a touchdown pass that Matt Ryan had to Hayden Hurst. It was on a blitz, and and you could tell that Matt Ryan was not just accurate, but he threw it to the side of the um, to Hurst's shoulder where the defender wasn't. And those are like some of the nuances that. And you're making a really fair point, like throwing somebody open. That was a great example of a touchdown by Matt Ryan, who's done it for 14 years to know where's my pressure, where's my leverage. You know, we've seen it a couple times with Tom Brady against Miami where he's beating his, the blitz with his mind. And that's where Zach Wilson's going to have to go, where 
He has to know where he's going with the ball, which shoulder, where's the leverage, and that just comes with reps. And I think you can get there because I think he has the talent and character to do so. I mean, that's not fair. You can't compare Zach Wilson to a quarterback that came from Boston College. No, that's just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. But no, I, I think like you said, it, it comes with reps. I don't think you can expect a, you know, a young quarterback to be able to adjust to the speed of the game that quickly. As much as you want to believe in, in these young guys, I think it, it does take a little bit of time for them to adjust to it. So I think you know we'll see whether or not he can throw a receiver open a little bit later on in the season. But for right now, yeah, I think he's, he's definitely looking for a man to be open before he throws it. He's thrown a number of picks, and he's probably got that in the back of his mind also. Guys, just taking a look ahead here uh, next week, unfortunately, Zach has to go up against Bill Belichick yet again, uh, who, as we know, has a lot of success with rookie quarterbacks, although uh, they are struggling right now against Davis Mills. Then against Cincinnati, who's, uh, I think, outperformed expectation this season at the Colts, the Bills, the Dolphins. And then, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the Texans on November 28th is, is maybe, you know, the, the one game that I, I, I believe that possibly maybe at that point in time they'll be favored. Who knows? You know, it's 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 a tough season, and so I want to throw this to both of you. Like, you know, rookie rookie head coach in, in Robert Sala. How do you got? How do you keep guys positive? Uh, you know, coming off of this loss and and knowing that the schedule gets more difficult. These, these were two, and with all due respect to Atlanta and the Tennessee Titans, right? These were two winnable games. They walked away one and one, but the next few games is somewhat of a gauntlet. So, uh, you know, Matthias, let's start with you. You know, what do you, what do you think? Uh, Saul is going to say in that locker room on Monday and Tuesday. I mean, I, I played on some, you know, some really good teams and we had some, some years there where we weren't, we weren't very good. I think it comes down to personal pride. I think you can challenge an individual's like heart. You can challenge their, their dedication to, you know, their craft, to their job and remind them that, you know, every time that you go out there on the field, you're putting your resume on the line and you're being evaluated constantly. I mean, contracts in the NFL are only guaranteed, you know, for the portion that is guaranteed and the rest of it is not. So th there's that standpoint. Um, I think my time playing, we were always in the mindset of there's an opportunity, there's a chance, and we can win it. I think if you have enough guys in that locker room who have that mindset, then then it shouldn't be that hard to motivate guys at the NFL level to come out and to play hard. Now, that being said, I have some friends in the league or who play in the league who are on some some pretty bad teams and losing teams, and you know they, they told me that to find motivation was very difficult. So I don't I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been in that situation. I'll throw this with a mic. You could tell me, like, <laughs> What, what, what do you do to motivate guys who are, you know, who are looking at the end of the schedule or potentially shipping cars home already? Yeah, like for me, I learned it back in 1997. We got to the Jets, and the 96 Jets won one game, and Coach Parcells was like, look, the standards are the standards. I'm going to be here next year, and you may not be. And mm -hmm. if I was Robert Sala, like he has to evolve into a head coach. He has to have uncomfortable conversations. And if guys aren't giving great effort, they're going to have to move on from them because, you know, they just committed to him long term. And I'm sure he'll be the coach, you know, into next year. And these guys say, like, hey, here's my program. And if, if I say that it's all gas and no brakes and someone isn't all gas, he's got to cut them. And by doing that, the standards are the standards. And you, you know we'll watch this team, and they still have a great opportunity to get better. And, you know, we could have said last week that, hey, you know what, the Giants are – it's going to be hard to, for them to go into New Orleans and win. Um, even though some of us did predict them to win, shameless plug. <laughs> but, but the point is, like, you know, some games are not going to look as winnable, but to Joe Judge's credit, like, that team's getting better. And 
They've been competitive, and I think for the Jets throughout the record this year, it doesn't matter if they win three games or seven, but are they getting better? Are they competitive? And if for those players that aren't, you move on from them. I think that's something right there. Let's let me go back to that one. Um, I do I do remember on those years where we weren't doing so well that that was a concept that was that was preached. It's uh, you know you point out individuals who are playing well. There's always going to be some guys on the team who are playing well. You point out the guys who are doing well, and then you point out their practice habits, and you rely on that. You know you point to hey look at this guy. He's got X amount of picks or X amount of sacks, even though we lost this game. Da da da. da. And then you go back and bring up some practice film and say and now watch him in the practice field. Watch him. Watch how hard he's playing. Watch how hard and. I think if you can, you know, highlight some of those guys who maybe we're there, we're not calling their names all the time, but within that locker room, guys know, oh, this guy is, you know, he's hustling, he's he's working hard. Maybe you can get them to rally around guys like that, and that could bring some um, some continuity to it. He's Matthias Kiwanuka, Mike Tannenbaum, Anita Marks, uh, locks of the week heading into the four o'clock games. Um, also at three thirty, you have Jordan Renan for that Giants Dallas Cowboys matchup as well. You're listening to New York Game Day here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. We talk about styles make fights, right? That's what mm-hmm. we always say. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dallas has a great offensive line, right? But if you look at the personnel and the defensive line for the Giants, Leonard Williams had 13 and a half sacks. Now, I know he hasn't played as well as he did last year because he's playing more inside, not outside, as they went out and they got OZs. But, you know, Dexter Lawrence ain't afraid. You ain't moving those two mountain of a man in there, right? Now, I understand that they're missing, they're missing uh, Blake Martinez, but you talk about matching up on the receivers. Bradbury's a pro bowler. I think that's a pretty good matchup against him and Cooper. Bart Scott, this portion of uh, New York Game Day on 98.7 ESPN is brought to you by Bud Light for the fans on game day. Um, also by Svedka Vodka. Bring on football season with Svedka Vodka. Sodas made with real vodka. Find yours at svedka.com. Enjoy responsibly. Vodka with juice, natural flavors, sparkling water, 8% alcohol by volume. 2021 Svedka Beverage Company, Longmont, Colorado. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's talk about this uh, Dallas Cowboy-Giants game. Uh, Dallas Cowboys offensively have far exceeded my expectation. I did not expect Dak Prescott to uh, play this well. Of course, if the season was to end today, he would absolutely win uh, comeback player of the year. I think he'd be in the conversation for MVP. Uh, defensively, they've outperformed as well. I did not expect the secondary to be as, as good, especially Diggs in that uh, in that secondary brother to Stephon Diggs, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. So um, I think this is going to be a really tall task for this Giants team, I know they're riding high after coming off of a win, but heading into Big D, taking on this Dallas team, and, and they're rolling on both offense and, and, and defense, I think it's going to be tough. Mike? Yeah, I agree. You know, um, I do the quarterback rankings every week for ESPN.com, and, you know, there's like a top seven or eight, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and if you just look at this year, guys, like Dak Prescott's right in that same level. He's played exceptionally well. Tony Pollard has emerged. This is a really difficult offense to defend because they could throw it, they could run it, and the quarterback could run it too. And then uh, as it relates to the other side of the ball, you know, Dan Quinn's done an amazing job. I put something out before on social media. Not only are they greatly improved and playing well, they've played 30 different players on defense so far this year, 30. And they're going to get some other guys back uh, in the coming weeks, most notably Demarcus Lawrence. So this is – they're young, they're fast. And they hit on a couple of draft choices. Everyone knows about Micah Parsons, but this Jabril Cox, one of the reasons they were able to let um, uh, Jalen Smith go. So this is a complete team, and I, I agree. The Giants have their work cut out for themselves today. 
I mean, obviously the Giants have to work it out for themselves. I mean, I, I agree with you guys. Uh, one thing I wanted to, to go back to, we were talking, you know, we talked about the Giants' first win of the season, and we didn't bring up tight end play almost at all during that whole time with Jordan. And then when Jordan did finally bring it up, he was talking about max protecting and, and keeping them in. And, you know, I came into the season, I think a lot of people did, you know, we, we had Kyle Rudolph and we thought, okay, this is going to be a good addition. It could be a security blanket um, for, for Daniel Jones and, and maybe we can get something. And then Evan Ingram comes back against the Falcons and, you know, we're expecting, you know, you know, him to, to come out and perform and we just didn't see it. I think at, at, at what point is, does that become a part of this conversation? conversation going forward at what point are we looking at that position and say hey we got to get some some productivity out of, out of these guys uh yeah i'll take that a fair point yeah i would say they have certainly underachieved especially as joy redon alluded to the giants still have a lot of skilled players that are hurt so uh i think it's a really fair point matthias um, you know, what, what do you offensively? I know we, we've talked a lot all season long leading up to the season and, and in the season in regard to Daniel Jones. And, and Mike, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Like, you know, I, even though, again, Giants looked better last week, I, I still don't anticipate them to win many games this season. I don't expect them to go to the, the, the postseason. But as a Giants fan, if the season was to end today, I'd feel really confident in regard to what I've seen from Daniel Jones. And that was a big question mark coming into the season is, you know, well, Daniel Jones, is he the quarterback of our future? He's limited, he's limited his turnovers. Um, he's still insanely accurate in explosive passing plays. Um, he's more athletic than what meets the eye. I mean, dude runs 22 miles an hour and he's averaging almost 30 rushing yards a game. To, to me, he has absolutely solidified, the to me, that he is the quarterback of the future for this franchise and this organization. I'm curious if you were the general manager, would you, based on what you've seen so far, I know small sample size, but would, would you agree to that? Would you feel confident yeah. that, that Daniel yes. Jones is with you for the next decade? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say next decade. I mean, but what I would say is absolutely. And if you take it a step further, like if you go to the draft, for example, like there's really not a lot of quarterbacks in next year's draft. You know, we saw somebody, Spencer Rattler, who was, somebody that would have been in the discussion for being a first-rounder, um, he got benched at Oklahoma. So, like, is Daniel Jones better than Spencer Rattler? Absolutely. And then you start looking at it through that lens. I'm not saying Daniel Jones has been perfect, but I've always liked him. The turnovers have been bothersome, but um, absolutely, especially when you factor in what the alternatives are. Is there, from from a front office standpoint, is there a strategy in place in terms of when you lock them into to something long-term? Does that have any effect on on the, the players out there on the field and the season? Do you think that that there needs to be, uh, you know, uh, a timing when it comes to extensions? Yeah, you know, typically speaking, like, it, you know, sooner rather than later, just from a standpoint of you, you want to make sure that if he's your guy, he's healthy, character, you know, all the sort of like intangibles, you know, then you got to factor in like, okay, if we wait, and the best example is really, you know, Dak Prescott two years ago, he's probably $32 million a year. And now, you know, you fast forward, he's making 40. So it's always to be a sooner than later situation. Once you feel good about the on and off field aspects of the, of the, of the player. You know, what about, I, I, I talked about Jason Garrett. I, I asked, obviously, um, you know, I asked, uh, Jordan Renan about about Jason Garrett and going back to Dallas today. Uh, you know, there's there's been so much criticism about him uh, and and how lackluster this offense has been. You know, do you feel we've got to give credit where credits due in in regard to what Jason Garrett has been able to do with this offense? Yeah, absolutely. I um I'm a believer in Jason. 
Um, they're trying to develop a young quarterback. That's hard to do. It's even harder in New York. Um, the Mara family historically has shown patience, and you know I would expect. I I don't know why he wouldn't be back. You know, given how well they're doing, and um, I think Jason Garrett's done a good job. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six is the phone number. Let's go to our phone lines. We've got quite a few people wanting to chime in. Uh, let's go to Gary in Oceanside. Gary, welcome in. Hi. Uh, my comments are about the Jets. I know you're talking right now about the Giants. Um, and I've been a Jet fan since the days of the New York Titans. So I go way back. I got three comments, one on the offense, the defense, and the general manager. I'm glad if Mr. T is still on. That's, that's great. Um, Anita, I agree with you 100% on the offense. I mean, they just gave up on the running game. If you look at their three scores that they got, uh, the first one, or the field goal, they actually ran down the field. It was running and passing, and they got to the 15-yard line, and they just gave up on the run. Then comes the second half. They had the kickoff, great kickoff run back. They get the ball like in the 25-30, no passes, ran the ball in there. I'm thinking, oh, this is great. They changed it. Now they get the ball again, and the next time they throw one quick pass, which is like a run. It worked. And then after that, the rest of the game, they just gave up on the run totally. I'm, I'm watching this game thinking, what's going on here? So I think Coach Sala really has to take charge, like Rex Ryan did when he went to ground and pound and, and say something about this. Now, on the, on the uh, defensive side of the ball, I see a lot of fans are criticizing this defense. And, yeah, and even Mike, you criticize them that they weren't prepared maybe for, for plays here. But i got to tell you something. I think the defense, the coaching on defense, has done a tremendous job this year. They have lost four starters. They signed two big free agents, a defensive end and a linebacker. They're gone. The two safeties, including Marcus May, are gone. Now, maybe if Marcus May is in the game today, maybe Pitts doesn't have this great game that he has, especially that one last play, that he that downfield pass, which was just a blown coverage. Maybe if Marcus May is in the game, that doesn't happen. So I think we really can't be too critical of the defense. They've kept this team in the game, considering there's no offense. And as far as the general manager goes, Joe Douglas, I think he's done a good he, – he, he got some great signings uh, when some of these guys got hurt. But I got one comment to Joe Douglas. You drafted last year your second pick, your first wide receiver you draft in Denzel Mims. Please, someone tell me, Joe Douglas, why this guy who's now caught three passes, two of them this season, led the scores – what what happened? What's happened here? He doesn't know the plays. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, it just seems like whenever he get, when he does make a catch, he's wide open. And um, that's my comments about the Jets today. So don't be so bad on this defense. They've kept this team in the game. Matthias, he made a lot of good points there. I uh, appreciate your call, first of all. But uh, something that that I thought about that stood out there was that you know we they have lost a lot of players on defense, and from a player standpoint. You and you're out there and you're playing, you know, I wouldn't I want to call it handicap because everybody out there as a professional is expected to play, right? But when you're out there and you're playing with, you know, a lot of your best guys on the sidelines, you know it and you and you feel it. But at the end of the day, everybody's playing with guys down. Everybody in the league is playing injured. Everybody at this point is playing hurt. And the only thing that matters is did you win the game? You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you don't you don't want to um you don't want to use excuses. We talk about the flight over to London. We talk about, you know, guys being down. Like, you know, from a player standpoint, you don't want to use excuses. You want to be able to say, okay, you know what? Like, either we won the game or we didn't. We're going to win it with whoever we got out here. And if we have to adjust the game plan, we're going to do what we have to do so that you can continue to prepare and continue to expect to excel. You know, it's kind of like a mind game that you have to play with yourself to say, okay, yeah, you know, so-and-so's down, but this guy is just as good or he can be just as good if we get him into the right situation so that you're not going into the game thinking, oh, well, 
well, you know, you know, we lost this guy, we lost that guy, and da da da. da now we're not going to play. Like it, at, at a certain point, it's like, yo, this is the NFL. It, it doesn't matter. We got to get up. We got to go. You got to look at that guy next to you and be like, hey, I know you just got here, but we got the expectation is is for the position. You know what I mean? Not the man. Like we need that position to to stand up and to play well. So, um, I get it. I I completely understand it. And you know, when the season's all over and it's all said and done, we can look at look at everything as a whole. You know, we can go back and say, okay, well, they were they were playing during this part of the season handicap, or they're playing this part of the season. You know, not at full strength. But for right now, it's like, yo, we just got to line up. We got to go. Like the, the season doesn't stop because somebody got hurt. Like we gotta we gotta figure out a way to you know to fix it. Right now, we're in the game. All right, we come off to the sidelines. You know, get somebody on him that can cover. Guys, we've got a, a situation developing here. Um, Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings uh, kicking a field goal. Oh, thank God. Uh, so, uh, so Minnesota Vikings just won uh, 19 to 17. Uh, last second, 54-year-old, 54-yard field goal to beat the Detroit Lions. Understand that probably 99% of America took the Minnesota Vikings today in their survivor pool. Probably 99%. Yeah, this was uh, the NFL at its best because just as that was going on, guys, in the Green Bay-Cincinnati game, it was almost like back-to-back where Mason Crosby missed a 51-yard field goal. Uh, McPherson missed a 57-yarder for Cincinnati. Um, New England has just gone up over uh, Houston with a field goal. So these field goals are impacting all these games where Minnesota just beats Detroit. Cincinnati and Green Bay is going to overtime. And now all of a sudden, New Orleans come back to take the lead with 15 seconds to go. It's just remarkable how close these games are. You know, let, let's touch on the field goal situation, um, Mike, you know, because I, I think it's important people people realize and understand this is this conversation I had with uh, Mike Westhoff time and time again. With the new collective bargaining agreement, right, there's only so much time that you are allowed to practice. And if you go one second over, typically a player tells their agent and their agent complains to the NFLPA. Okay, and then the organization gets fined. So because there's only so much time, it has taken less time away from field goal kicking and punting because you want to spend more time on offense and defense and you want to spend more time on the game plan that you're implementing for that week. Okay. And you're also taking away, you know, yeah, a guy's over there and he's kicking field goals, he's kicking field goals, but he's not kicking field goals under pressure. He's not kicking field goals as he's getting bull rushed uh, to try to block his field goal. And so you know, I, I think, you know, it's unfortunate. And then, of course, of course, they moved the bat. They, they moved the, the extra point back and whatnot. But I just think it's, it's, it's unfortunate that I think the new collective bargaining agreement and how it's really handcuffed the amount of, of you're practice. Gonna, you're going you're gonna to blame you're going to blame the missed field goals on the CBA. I don't I don't I don't buy that at all. Spoken like a true spoken like a true player, Kiwi, <laughs> spoken like a true player. You've you, got one job. I mean, like, put some music on. Like, okay, but some, let's okay, know, but let's some... but let's be honest. How much? How much? When the collective bargaining agreement changed, and you were in the NFL for quite a while, right? Like, didn't you see a significant amount of time that was taken away yeah, from practicing? Yes. Okay. But what? Okay. But what I what I so what I saw happen? It's something. But what I saw happen is we said it. I was like, yo, guys are going to be able to play for 15, 20 years if you're not practicing. We used to go two a days back to back up in um up in Albany, and our bodies were beat up. We were kind of limping into the season compared to the way some of these guys are playing so uh, no nah, i just i think like the the kicking game you, you got one job you know like you you should be practicing non-stop over and over again like i 
I get it. I get the practice time has, has been taken away and it's changed. And I think that affects probably the, the DBs probably the most, you know, um, receivers a little bit, but mostly like the DBs, but not the kickers. Come on, man. Just kick the ball, line up, put it through the uprights. You'll be all right. <laughs> totally agree with Kiwi. Like, you know, you, and that's a skill you can work on on the side. And like, to me, it's about skill development, developing your offensive lineman. And, you know, that, that, that to me is of all the things you can do, on your own, like you said, like simulate with music or other pressure. But yeah, all, every rep at practice right now is valuable, and that's you're just not going to use it on special teams. All right, guys, uh, really quick, let's. let's I, I just want to give everybody an update in regard to the scores and what's going on because there there's some big time upsets here this week that potentially could happen. Uh, right now, into the fourth, Packers and the in, in the Cincinnati Bengals are all tied up at 22, so that's going to go into overtime. Steelers up on the Broncos, 27 to 19. Broncos are moving right now. Two minutes left in the fourth. Saints up on Washington, 27-22. About five minutes left in that game. How about this? The Eagles at Carolina up on the Panthers, 21-18, with about three minutes left in the game. And the Titans took it to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 37-19 in that game. And uh, and then and then in the, the last few minutes of the game, the Patriots uh, beat the Texans 25 to 22. Too close for comfort, I'm sure, for Bill Belichick as uh, we get ready for uh, for some final for for the four o'clock games. I'm sorry, two more to share with you. The Vikings over the Lions 19 to 17. And boy, uh, is 95 percent of the country uh, lucky with that one because uh, that's how many people had the Vikings as their survivor pick and the buck and the the. Buccaneers uh, took care of the Miami Dolphins 45-17 to 17 today. Tom Brady over 400 yards and four touchdowns. The guy's a beast. Anyway, we come back. Uh, we'll continue to talk Giants and Jets, some other news and notes around the NFL. Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, Anita Marks, and you, 800-919-3776. You're listening to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Mike Tannenbaum. This has been New York day, Game Day with you for the next few minutes. want to remind you, ESPN Plus is the home for daily sports talk with Greeny, Canty, and Golick Jr., uh, and more. Uh, stream the popular daily programs live or watch replays anytime, anywhere. ESPN Plus content is available to stream in HD and the ESPN app on your favorite uh, living room, devices, phone, tablets, computers, smart TV, you name it. And on ESPN.com, ESPN Plus also gives you access to exclusive fantasy sports tools, premium articles, uh, and some of the most respected voices in sports news and opinion. All of this is available as part of your ESPN Plus subscription. So keep that in mind. And also a reminder, these five games will be exclusively on ESPN Plus. And that'll be uh, the Ducks game on uh, hockey, of course, October 15th at 10 o'clock. Uh, the Caps on the 19th at 7 o'clock. The Bruins and the Sabres at, on the 22nd at 7 o'clock. The Kings and the Stars on the 22nd as well as 8.30. And the Canucks and uh, their game was at 10 o'clock um, on ESPN+. Plus. Head to ESPN.com and make sure that you subscribe today. Okay, gentlemen, just a few minutes left in the show. We've got about uh, nine minutes. So we've got a nice amount of time to break down this Giants and Dallas Cowboys team. Mike, let's start with you. What's the score and why? Um. I'm going to say it's uh, Dallas 28, Giants 17, and I think the Giants are going the right direction, but I think they're playing one of the best teams in football, really complete team. So given some of the injuries that the Giants have at the skilled players and offensive line, too much Dallas today. 
Matthias? You ready for this? I'm oh no. Oh, oh, oh. I, I feel I feel a giant's I'm, I'm win ta- I'm prediction taking, coming. I'm taking my giants in this one. Whoa. 31 27. I think um Jason Garrett wants it. He's gonna go in there. He's actually finding his stride with his play calling, and the guys are starting to believe in him. I don't think records mean as much when, when you're playing in the division. When you're playing divisional games, I think you can kind of take those records and throw them out the window and just look and say, Hey, who wants it more? This is a this is a who wants it more type of game. I would love to say that there's gonna be some good play out of the tight end position, but I don't think that um that's necessarily gonna happen. I just think that desire, the want, and as long as uh you know, um, Daniel stays away from Diggs. We'll be all right. We'll come out with a win. So, Matthias, given your loyalty, I guess you're predicting BC to beat NC State next Saturday night, huh? 100%. 100%. Let's go with it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, coming off coming off a of bye, we're good to go. So, so a few things. Uh, the Giants are last in red zone conversion rate at 33%. They're 4 of 12, Okay. Uh, meanwhile, the Dallas Cowboys, they average eight yards per play on first down. Um, you know, they are they are a more balanced attack than I've seen before with both, of course, Zeke. And then you've got Pollard whenever they want to utilize him and, and, and Dak Prescott, who's having a monster year. I just, with no Shepard, no Slayton, and, and, and Pepper's out as well, I, I, just, I, I just don't know. I don't – I've got Dallas yeah. – I've got Dallas. I've got Dallas thirty-two. The Giants twenty-three. You don't. You don't think this could be. You don't think this could be a trap game for Dallas. You don't think there's there, nope. there could be a letdown. No, I, a trap okay. game against a division opponent. All right. No. Okay. Do you have you ever felt that you were in a trap game against Washington, the Eagles, or 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 Dallas when you were no. when you were a Giant? Did you ever no. feel like? But that, but that's what I'm. But that, I mean, that goes to my point too. It's like when you're in the division, it, it's like anything can happen, literally. Like, and on on any day, like anything can happen. We've seen some teams that that had nothing going for them towards the end of the year, and um, you know, had horrible records. Players are out, and they would come back and, and still get you know get wins against teams that they weren't supposed to. So I just feel I feel strongly about it. I think momentum will take you, and the desire in this game, you know, it's 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 Giants Cowboys. I mean, that's that's a big game. You know, for some of these guys, it's going to be the biggest game that they're going to play in or have played in, and and they're going to want it. All right, so Matthias uh, is believing in his Giants, which is great, which is great, which is admirable. I, I, I like that, and, and both Mike T. and I uh, are taking the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that game kicks off in about three minutes. Uh, we also have some other games today, and probably none bigger, gentlemen, than tonight, and that's the Bills at Kansas City. Like I said earlier, I talked about it on my Locks of the Week. I, just, I, I think the wrong team is favored here. I, just, I love this Buffalo Bills team. You know, week one, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe they just needed a hot second to kind of get it all together. But um, I, the bigger story here is how horrible this Chiefs defense is. And Matthias, you know, Spags is their defensive coordinator, who Ooh. you and I both, both love. I know we both love him yeah. so much. What do you What are you seeing on this Kansas City's de- Kansas City defense that they're just they they're just god awful? Yeah, I mean, you, the, the the main thing is. Can you stop the run and can you get after the passer? That's that's the I think when you get when you get start giving up huge yards and and you know um, lots of points, you have to go back to basics. You know, there's no time for you know these extensive play calls and, and tricks and, and all this and that. Like we just you, you got to go back to basics when it starts to get really bad. Stop the run, get after the passer, get off the field on third down, keep it simple, stupid, like a hundred percent. Um, you know, they're they're gonna have to turn it around. If they are gonna turn it around, it's just gonna be you know that grit, that desire, and that want to to get off the field on third down. 
And, and Mike, how do you do that against arguably one of the best offenses in, in the NFL in, in what we're seeing from the Buffalo Bills this year? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You got a quarterback. You know, we just talked about Dallas, the plays that Dak can make with his feet. You know, same thing with Josh Allen. Josh Allen can make plays with his feet, and that puts even more pressure on a defense because if you play man-to-man and you turn your back to him, look out, right? And um, I think this is a really high-scoring game. I think both teams could be well into the 30s, and maybe it's like whoever has the ball last wins. Uh, gentlemen, we've got about four minutes left in the show. Just enough time. Let's talk about the Monday night football game that's going to be taking place, and that's the Colts at the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think enough is being discussed, Mike, uh, just how phenomenal of a season Lamar Jackson is having. Um, number one in explosive passing plays, and you know we know when he was coming out of college, that was the biggest knock on him, right? Like, oh, he won't be able to pass the ball. Sure enough, um, he's 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 honed that skill and he's become quite good at doing it, which uh, you know obviously then creates this even more of a double threat for the Colts. Meanwhile, for the Colts, their offensive line is banged up, and you've got Carson Wentz who's still dealing with two bad ankles. I, I expect the Baltimore Ravens to win big time here on Monday night, um, especially at home at M&T Bank Stadium. Your, your thoughts on the Monday night game? You know, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said, but I thought Wentz took some big steps last week against a good Dolphin defense and um, played better as that game went on, and I expect him to continue to play well. And I thought Lamar did play great against Denver a week ago Hit some big passes to uh, Hollywood Brown. So it uh, should be a good matchup. I, I think the Colts – We'll keep this close, but I do favor Baltimore and look for once to have, uh, you know, uh, another step in the right direction for him. And by the way, we have one other game that went final. Mason Crosby just hit a 49-yard field goal, and in uh, deep into overtime, the Green Bay Packers beat the uh, Bengals by three. Imagine that! Imagine finally... a field goal. A field goal was made. <laughs> there finally was a field goal. Finally, how, how much? How much money do these dudes make, Mike? What's the average? What's the average well, salary for a field goal kicker? Apparently, they give that money back for more practice time, Anita. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I didn't make that up, man. That's a that's a that's a live on air conversation with one of the best special team coaches in the history of the NFL, and Mike Westhoff. Okay, that was that. So 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 there. Uh, <laughs> you're so funny. So Matthias, any thoughts on the Monday Night Football game, Colts at uh, the Baltimore Ravens? I mean, I think you got to look at uh, Lamar and what he's been able to do and to to play his style of football and to to put a team on his back you know, with his legs and with his arm and then to also stay healthy. I mean, the kid is amazing. You know, I give it to him on Monday night. All right, guys, uh, any final thoughts? We've got about uh, two minutes left in the show. Any final thoughts, Mike, before we, we sign off on uh, on week five? You know, today is like just a great day of football. It started early this morning, you know, in London with, uh, as we know, the Jets wound up losing, but there's some great games this afternoon. Obviously, we talked a lot about the Giant-Cowboy uh, game, and I think this Arizona-San Francisco game is really fun and interesting. I think uh, the Cleveland-Charger game is really interesting, and then we got the heavyweight fight tonight, and should be a great, great game tonight with uh, two great teams. So lots of good football play, lots more to ha- come. Matthias? Yeah, I think a lot of it is made about, you know, playing the games in London and whether or not we should go over there and how difficult it is for the players to to travel across the pond and play. But I think it's a great thing for the sport. It opens up, um, you know, American football to the world. And when you're on that world stage, especially, you know, in a place like London, you have, you know, access to the Middle East, to, to Africa, to, you know, Asian countries. And the whole world is getting an opportunity to see America's favorite game, which I think is, is amazing. It opens it up and, you know, it 
it gives um, visibility and and um, and a lot of opportunity for guys around the world. Gentlemen, uh, always great. I, I know a different time slot for the show today. Uh, we will be back in our regular time slot next week for week six of New York Game Day. Jacob produced the show uh, along with Ty, of course, but Jacob's in the studio right now. So, Jacob, uh, great job today. Appreciate your work. Um, everybody, uh, enjoy the Giants-Dallas Cowboy game. And then, of course, later on tonight, Bills in Kansas City. And uh, we'll have all your NFL coverage throughout the week. Uh, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Gentlemen, enjoy the games, and uh, and again, always great working with you guys. New York Game Day on 98.7 ESPN.